0: Okay, the la- the last time we saw Job and his friends, they were sitting quietly mourning together, weeping about the awful things that uh, ha- had happened to Job. and uh, uh, Just to remind us of uh, what's been going on, Job has lost everything that he owns, all his property, all his income, all his potential to make more income. Um, not only this, but, but he's lost all his children, and all these things happened. To Job, both by evil men and their actions, and as well as acts of God, like storms and fire that fell from heaven. And on top of all that, Job has been stricken with boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, and these boils are are so irritated that that Job has taken to scratching his skin with uh, with shards of pottery. So. His friends have finally arrived. And they arrive to comfort him, and they're they're shocked with what they see. They they all sit silently for seven days and nights, and they just mourn and weep together. Finally, Job is about to break the silence, and and he's going to uh, he's going to pour out his soul before his friends, um, and he's going to release the depths of sorrow that 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 he has locked away in his heart, and and. Man, it's truly a, a truly a tragic tragic chapter. It's um, it's very emotional. You know, you can only imagine what what Job is going through. You know, in his mind, in his heart. Uh, as we read through what Job is feeling, um, it's probably going to be easy for you to put yourself in his position. Now, I mean, you 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 may have never gone through the depths of tribulation that Job is going through. Um, but there have surely been times in your life when you felt that everything was hopeless and there was just no way out if you If you haven't ever experienced the depths of despair because of you know tragedy or or hurt in your life um you just just hold on it'll be it'll be coming soon um, We know that this life is full of trouble, and if you live long enough, heartache pain, and despair you know it's gonna find you so no matter if you've been through something like that or not, Job's experience will be instructive for you. We, uh, well, whether you like it or not, we live in a Genesis three world and, and that means that everything, everything here is not right. Uh, nor will it ever be right until Christ returns and there's a new heaven and a new earth. Um, because we've, we've heard the story of Job so often it's, uh, it's easy for us to get used to the the tales of his loss and and all that he went through. Um, but here in chapter 3, Job is going to just let all his emotions lay bare for the world to see, and he's going to put put words to his sorrow in the hearing of his three friends. As we uh as we read what Job says, I want you to try with me to listen with new ears, and really understand the great despair that this man is in. I mean, he has literally lost everything and has no hope of ever regaining any semblance of a normal life for all intents and purposes. Um, Job's life is, is over. He's probably, you know, in his own mind, and surely those around him, he is, uh, he is at the state and status that he's going to be the rest of his life you know there's uh there's no coming back from something like this uh especially with the um the health issue that he has because you know he he has become unclean among society no matter what he you know no matter what he tries to do or does you might say well he can just pull himself up by his bootstraps and and start growing new herds and establishing new businesses and having new children but uh with his with his skin disease the way it is, he, he would remain an outcast of society and, and that would pretty much be impossible. So, the first thing we hear from Job is that he wishes that he had never been born. Have you ever you ever felt like that? Job is thinking that his pain is so great it would have been easier and better if he had never even existed at all. Now, I want you I want you to really understand what he's trying to say here, throughout Job's life, he's been blessed. I mean, he was blessed with good times, friends, prosperity, a great family. Surely, through all that time, job enjoyed life and and uh, he had plenty of times when when everything seemed wonderful and life was worth living, and it was just a a quintessential life of blessing and, and prosperity and goodness. But here, Job says that he would trade all that. He would trade all that he had experienced his whole life. Every blessing, every moment of pleasure, every happy time, all that. He would trade all that away to, uh, to not have to experience the pain that he's feeling like right now. Uh in fact he sounds pretty mad that he was ever allowed to live. He sounds like the day of his birth is now his enemy and he wishes that, you know that for somehow he could take vengeance upon it. Let's let's read verses one through six and I'll show you what I mean. After this, after the seven days of silence that his friend sat there, after this Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, verse 3, let the day perish on which I was born and the night that said a man is conceived. Let the day be darkness. Let that day be darkness. May God above not seek it nor light shine upon it. He's talking about the day that he was born. Let gloom and deep darkness claim it. Let clouds dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. That night, let thick darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. He doesn't even want it counted in the calendar. Let it not come into the number of months. Now, now that's pretty radical um, for for Job to be saying uh, in his own life. I mean, listen, he, he would rather have a curse laid on the day of his birth that uh, any joy would be thought of on that day um he would rather it be be stricken from the record which which means for all intents and purposes that Job wished he would have never existed so the pain he's experiencing the the heartache and the tribulation and the trial and the just the hurt that he's going through is so great that he wishes that he would have never even had a family, never even had a business, never even been allowed to live, never had uh, moments with his wife, moments with his children, prosperous uh, servants, riches. He wishes he would have never had that because in his mind he's saying that his suffering is so great that All of that good stuff that he had lived his whole life in was not worth the suffering that he's going on now. So, uh, in in other words, what I'm saying is, Job can look back on his life And instead of saying Well you know I've lived a good life And I've had good times And I've I've done a lot of good things And you know I, I've really been blessed Instead of looking back at that He is looking at his suffering now And he's saying I would trade all of that goodness That I've gone through In order to not feel What I'm feeling right now That's how bad Job is hurting That's how bad he is suffering In this thing So Let's look at let's look at a few things that Job said there. Uh, because of all the pain that he's experiencing, he would have God. He wanted God to put a curse on the day that he's born. He wants that day to be remembered as dark and a horrible time. Uh, in fact, he wants he wants the day wiped out from all remembrance. He doesn't want the day counted among the days of the year, and he doesn't. Uh, he surely doesn't want anyone rejoicing on that day that he was born. Job is basically saying that you know he he would have rather never existed at all than to be going through the pain that he's, that he's going through right now. It almost seems like he's blaming the day of his birth for bringing him into the world. That, uh, that, that's that that got to be some kind of pain, some kind of suffering that Job is going through. I can't imagine wishing that I would trade all the days of happiness and, all, and blessing in order not to have to go through what I'm going through now. Um, as I think about that, I I myself haven't you know, I haven't experienced the depths of what Job is going through here, but but as a pastor and a hospital chaplain, I've been with many people who who have gone through some of the, the hardest times that you could possibly imagine. So, uh, you know, to say that I know what they're going through is just simply not true. Um, I haven't been through many of the things that uh, that people that have lost loved ones like that have. Uh, But I can tell you that from their reactions and counseling them and the agony they express verbally and with their emotions, it almost seems like a physical pain that they're going through that hurts. I mean, physically hurts deep down in in, in your pit of your stomach, in your soul. I remember being with a father who lost a child and, and all he could do was rock back and forth and just moan in pain. I mean, it was as if um it probably it's probably not a good analogy but it was if as if he had had broken a leg and all he could do was just sit there and moan and wail and and just rock back and forth i mean it was a it was a physical it was almost a a physical pain like he was sick in his stomach um uh, I, there's other people that have had physical reactions like throwing up or passing out, or you know there's people that have had heart attacks um, upon the hearing of that they have just lost this loved one um, The one thing that we can be sure of is that this pain that job is going through it's real and and it's awful and so um while I can tell you that i 've never experienced the depth of agony that job is going through here. Um, there will come a day when, when I will, there will come a day, you know, I I don't make any bones about it where I will lose people that I love, where I will be, you know, no matter who you are, where you live, if you live long enough, there will be a day when you do get sick of something. There will be a day when you do, you know, when you are, um, Lying in a bed, knocking at death's door, unless something, unless you die quickly in an accident or something like that, suffering will come. It's this the world we live in. We live in a Genesis three world, and there's no getting around it. So let's continue to read what Job, what Job says in verse seven and eight. He says, "Behold, let that night be barren." He's still talking about the night of his birth. Let no joyful cry enter it. Let those curse it who curse the day who are ready to rouse up leviathan okay so those those who are ready to rouse up leviathan that's kind of weird for for us modern readers of the ancient hebrew text but um, it's an interesting phrase and in those days it was thought that men charmed monsters uh like Leviathan was a you know, like a like a sea monster or a big sea creature in order to in order to curse things. So Job is basically just saying, you know, let those who are in the cursing business curse the day I was born. Let the Leviathan you know destroy the day that I was born that's what he's in he is uh, invoking a curse upon upon the day that he was born he continues in verse 9 and 10 saying let the stars of its dawn still talking about the day of his birth let the stars of its dawn be be dark let it hope for light but have none nor see the eyelids of the morning because it did not this is why he wants it cursed in verse 10 it says because it did not shut the doors of my mother's womb, nor hide trouble from my eyes. He's saying I would have rather. He's saying that the day of his birth is to be blamed, that it did not shut the doors of his mother's womb and not let him out, and and therefore, you know, if he would have never been born, the end of verse ten says uh, trouble would have been hidden from his eyes. He's saying, I would have rather never even been introduced into this world than to be going through the trouble that I'm going through. It's almost like he's blaming the day of his birth. If if God knew that he would be going through such suffering, why in the world would he even let Job live on the day he was born? It would have been better if he had never seen this awful fallen world than to have You know, than to have to go through the pits of despair and suffering. He says, verse eleven: Why did I not die at birth? Come out from the womb and expire. Uh, Why did the knees receive me? Talking about his mother's knees. Why did he come out of the womb, or why did the breasts? Why the or why the breasts that I should nurse? For Verse 13, for then I would have lain down and been quiet. He's talking about I would have died. I would have slept. Then I would have been at rest. Now, he's not talking about rest as in, oh, I'm going to heaven and be with God. He's just talking about I would have I would have slept in the grave and not have to gone through this suffering. Verse 14 says, I would have, well, in the end of verse 13 says, then I would have been at rest. Verse 14, with kings and counselors of the earth. Who rebuilt ruins for themselves, or with princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver, Or why was I not as a hidden, stillborn child, as infants who never seen the light? He said, "If I would have been born dead." He said, I would have rested in the grave with all the great men of the world who seem like they're enjoying blessing, they're enjoying ruling, they're enjoying the gold and the silver of this world. Uh, When they come to their end, they rest in the grave. And he says, why in the world did God allow me to go through all this when I could have just as easily rested right next to those guys in the grave and never had to pass through all this? Job's asking, the age-old question that we that we all ask when we go through suffering why 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 now later in the book job will directly ask why he has to go through all this suffering that he's going through but but here it seems like he is asking why in the world god would even allow him to be born to go through this this now remember <clears throat> throughout the book the information that we have as the readers We have more information than Job and his friends have. We know the first and second chapter of Job. We know what's going on behind the scenes. We know what God and Satan have been conversing about. And we know the the scheme that Satan cooked up. And we know what God is allowing to happen. Uh, Job's suffering is redemptive. Now that's something you don't hear much anymore. But it is meant... To to grow him in the grace and knowledge of God, um, it is meant to test and to prove his faith. Um, God allowed Satan to wreak havoc on him for a purpose, and that purpose was for Job's ultimate good. So. Even though he is suffering at the deepest level you could possibly suffer, we know that God looks at Job and he sees him as blameless. He said so in the first chapter. But Job isn't aware of all that. Right now he's asking God why he even let him be born if this is how his life was going to turn out. Have you ever thought like that? I can remember times in my life when I thought, that uh, purpose, meaning, and enjoyment were lacking in my life. And I remember thinking that I was just surviving rather than actually living. I would look around and see people who seemed like they just had it made while I struggled with everything that I did. Um, it isn't quite what Joe was going through, but, uh, but his thought processes are, are similar to what I was thinking at the time. Um, We should always remember that God works all things for the good of those who love Him and those who are called according to His purpose. Uh, That's Romans 8.28. Now, it's an easy thing for me to say. But it is the truth. I mean, it's, it's, it's also pretty much the last thing that people want to hear when they're going through tragedy and sorrow. But that doesn't make it any less true. You know, I wouldn't... As a hospital chaplain, if somebody had just lost a loved one or a child, I wouldn't bust in the room and go, Hey, don't worry about it. God works all things for your good, so it's going to be fine. You know, that's not how you comfort people who are in suffering, and that's not how, you know, that's just not how it's done. Um, if if I was in that position and somebody did to me, I, I think I'd be pretty angry <laughs> at them, but... In the back of your mind, you know that that is where our hope lies. Our hope does not lie in the fact that, you know, we are just in this world and anything could happen at any moment, and you know we're just on the on the head of a pin, wondering what evil is going to take place next. No, we are in a world that is sovereignly controlled by our Creator. Um, not a there's not a rogue molecule in the universe. I think. Uh, R.C. Sproul said that um, there is not a hair of your head that he doesn't know. There's not a sparrow that falls to the ground without his okay. So when suffering happens, and it does because we live in a fallen world, we live with the Satan and the flesh and the and, and the world. Um, we live in in this world of suffering. When the, when that comes. We need to, the only hope that we have is that God is in control. He's allowing it for a good reason. He's allowing it for a good purpose. And when you start saying this is the purpose that God is, you know, why God is allowing this, then, then you're getting on very, very dangerous ground. Um, the best we can do is say, oh, I just trust that you know what you're doing. Um. You know... um, Uh, God is in control and working for the good of his children. Now, do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? If so, then that will be the cornerstone for you to hang on to when suffering comes. Um, Not to say that you won't have to struggle and fight. Not to say that you won't have to wrestle to hold on to that faith. But it will be the only rock that will survive the tempest of despair and, and tribulation. Job's rationale for thinking that he would rather be dead or have never been born um, at all is that in death there's rest and peace, and the the rest and peace here is not talking about oh I'm going to heaven and we're going to live eternally uh, for Job and in, in this day they were just talking about the graves, talking about the place of the dead where where we no longer have <clears throat> we no longer have to suffer and work and and those things. Verse seventeen, he said. He's talking about in the grave. The, the There the wicked cease from troubling, and there the weary are at rest. There the prisoners are at ease together. They hear not the voice of their taskmaster. They don't have to, you know, they're not slaves anymore. They're not having to work anymore. Uh, verse 19, the small and the great are there, and the slave is free from his master. Now, because we have the uh because we have the the complete revelation of God in the old and the New Testament, um, we know that heaven and hell are real, and God has assigned a place for all those who have not had their sins atoned for. Um, But here Job is just simply talking about the grave. He isn't looking into the realm of eternity and seeing souls that are blissful in heaven or souls that are tormented in hell. He is just looking from an earthly perspective, from a man's perspective, at those who are in the grave. And they don't have to struggle with the pains of this life anymore. Um, he says that the wicked cease from their troubling, meaning they don 't you know they don 't trouble people anymore they don 't they 're not doing wicked things anymore, and those who are weary from all the hardships of life are finally at rest when they die they don 't have to go through those hardships anymore. He even says that the slaves are no longer um, they They no longer hear the commands of their slave masters in death because there's no longer task they're no longer tasked to work as slaves for job, the idea of the grave is simply a release from this life so I hope you're starting to see the other utter depths of <clears throat> job's suffering he is he's sitting there in sackcloth and ashes, scraping his bleeding, disfigured skin with shards of pottery. And there was this precious little hope that, that anything in his life will ever change. Um, he, he would never have any more kids, or so he thinks. He, he, he doesn't have any more money, he doesn't have food, he doesn't have any more prosperity. Um, this is what the rest of his life would consist of. Uh, not only does it feel like he has been let down by even being born, but he also dreads the fact that he is all but begging for death. And death won't come. He's begging God to kill him, and and it just doesn't happen. It almost seems like he's encased in a prison of suffering that there's that there's no escape from. Verse uh, twenty through twenty three, they read like this: Why is light given to him who is in misery? Talking about Job, why am I still here? He says, and why is life to the bitter and soul? Why is life given to the bitter and soul? Uh, Verse 21, who longs for death. Job said, I'm longing for death, but it does not come. And dig for it more than hidden treasure. I mean, this is a man who's saying, I would rather die. And I am seeking after death more than a man seeks after hidden treasures. Verse 22, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave. Uh, Why is light given to man whose way is hidden Whom God has hedged in. And that's a very important piece right there at the end of verse 23. Whom God has hedged in. Job is telling all who would listen. I want to die. But death will not come to me. He asks why does light and life come to the man who is in misery and longs for death. Job is so far in despair. That the only hope that he can possibly wish for is to die. Only... I mean... Once again, I, I just gotta say that I have never, you know, reached this point in suffering, but I'm sure you all know the people who've had uh suicide seems like the only option for for some people. They're in such despair. They find themselves unable to cope with uh whatever tragedy or suffering they're experiencing and the only way the only way out seems to be death. I really I just can't imagine what it must have been like for Job. He's a man with absolutely no hope whatsoever. All he can possibly wish for, the best thing that would happen to him, is if he would die, and be done with the whole thing. The level of Job's despair is hard to even—it's uh, it's hard to even put into words. He is hurting on a level that is profound, and uh, I want to make sure that you notice. <clears throat> One more thing about Job's thoughts. He isn't just saying he wishes he was dead and life stinks. He is saying in verse 23 that it's God that's hedging him in. It's God that's keeping him encased in this prison of suffering. This uh, this prison of flesh that he wants to get out of. He wants to die. Um, he's going to start placing the responsibility for his situation as we see uh, squarely on God's shoulders and I need to tell you that is where it belongs. That doesn't sound like something you would hear a lot today, does it? Um, now I'm not saying God is wrong, Job in, in any way or is sinning against Job um, but no one can read the first two chapters of Job and not come away with the truth that God allowed Job to go through this. Um, God has ordained Job's suffering by turning Satan loose on him. And now here Job sits unable to just go on and die because God is in control. And God doesn't want him dead. You remember what God told Satan? He said, you do what you want with him, but you don't kill him. You spare his life. This is one of the toughest things that we deal with uh, throughout the book of Job. Behind all this suffering... God is still in control. Now, there are many counselors today, even Christian counselors, that try to distance God from whatever tragedy that takes place, but that simply can't be. Um, Let me give you an example. Not too long ago, there was a mass shooting in a school. You probably know all about it. Of course, it was a tragedy, and the direct cause of the events was not God himself. God did not put a gun to some guy's back and say, go in the school and shoot all these people. But it was the sinfulness of man who did the shooting. There's no doubt about that. And we should be perfectly clear on that. It was not God who told this guy to go in there and do that. It was not God who made this guy go in there. The guy did it of his own sinful Proclivities, But we must remember something very, very important. God is both omniscient, which means all-knowing, and He is omnipotent, which means all-powerful. So God both knew that the man was going to walk into that school and start shooting, and God most certainly is powerful enough to stop it. So why didn't He? If God knew the guy was going to go in there and start shooting in the school, And God is definitely powerful enough to stop the guy from doing that. Why didn't he? That's the question that we have to deal with. And we can't just fall back on the old God won't override the evil person's will. uh, Because by not acting, he was uh, certainly allowing the evil people to override the will of those people that were shot. So somebody's will is getting overrided. So... Um, That is a huge debate, and I don't plan on getting all bogged down into that, um, but we need to let it suffice to say that God could have stopped it if He wanted to. But He allowed it to happen, and He allowed it for a purpose. Do I know the purpose? Absolutely not. We don't know His purpose, but we know that He is working for our good It may not seem like it now, but that is what Scripture says. The problem really comes in when we start trying to counsel those who are going through the tragedy like Job's friends uh, are going to do with him. How can you tell the mother of a murdered child that God was nowhere around when it happened, but now... He's here to comfort you and take care of you. Uh, It just doesn't work. My first instinct would be, if I was that parent, was to say, well, where was God yesterday? He's here to comfort me now? Yay, that's great. What did he do, take a day off yesterday? Um, Why wasn't he here? I don't, um, Now let me just say, I I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I do know two things. That scripture emphatically states, number one, God is in control of all things. And number two, mankind is responsible for the choices he makes. And I hold those two things together. I don't lift up one over the other. I don't say, well, since God is controlled, control, we don't have a responsibility. You know, that's just nonsense. And I don't say that because we have a responsibility for our actions and we have choices to be made, that that means God is not in control of all things. That's also nonsense. So uh, Job starts his discourse off here by saying that he wants death, but death won't come because God has hedged him in. The end of chapter 3 says, verse 24 says, For my sighing comes instead of my bread, and my groanings are poured out like water. For the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest. But trouble comes. Job wants death because he experiences only sig- sighing instead of sustenance. He said, I have sighing instead of bread. He needs something to satisfy his soul and all he finds is emptiness. The thing that Job fears most has happened. Um, this isn't just a tragic event. This is the realization of Job's worst fears. What he dreads more than anything else has befallen him. Finally, he says that he is not at ease and he is not quiet. He's not going to just be quiet and take his suffering. He is going to let his voice be heard. Also, he he's saying that his life now is without ease. It's without quiet. It's without rest. There is nothing in his life but trouble. He has absolutely no hope for anything to get better and it's causing despair and trouble in his soul Um, so what we see here is a man who has been brought as low as he possibly can be and we know that God allowed Satan to do all this to Job I'm not sure I mean I'm sure this isn't Um, This isn't the feel-good message you expect from, from most preachers, but the book of Job isn't intended to make you feel good. It's intended to show that even in the most intense suffering, God is working for our good. Um, it, it also shows us that there is such a thing as redemptive suffering, which brings us closer to God. I'm not saying it's fun or that everything will be okay, but but it's true. Sometimes the darkest times in our life is what God is using to bring us back to Him, to make us understand Him, to grow us in relationship Um, With him, and we're going to see at the end of the book that Job, Job has a new understanding of God and His sovereignty and His Majesty, uh, because he goes through all this Uh, before Job's friends start giving advice which will be in the next chapter, let us uh, definitely remember two things as we go away from here. Job is not being punished for his sins. Remember chapter 1 and 2. He was called blameless by God himself, and God allowed Satan to test his faith. He wasn't sinless. He sacrificed, and he did the things he was supposed to do to be devoted to God. Um, so, he is not being punished for his sins in the, all this suffering. And the other thing is that he, his suffering is absolutely real. And it has cut him to the very depths of his soul we can't just say well come on Job suck it up you'll be okay we can't go to the hurting person and say you know what God's working for your good so it's going to be fine just get up and let's go and let's move on with life uh, this suffering is real and it's it's painful it's tangible and it's physical in most cases so uh, what we see here in the in scripture is God presenting us with the very depths of human suffering and, and what we're going to see next is three Men coming along, and they're going to give Job all the wrong answers, and uh, and we're going to see how that we're going to see how that plays out in Job's life, and and also what God has to say about that.